We all got 2020'd. But I'm not playing the victim card, and I don't want you to either. We're going to finish the year with some practical, actionable episodes to help you get momentum that will take you into a new life now. Don't wait until January. Now is the time to get in the fight. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Welcome to The Aggressive Life. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Not. A recent survey I saw said that 88% of Americans report being stressed by the holidays and 45% of people would prefer to skip them altogether. A normal holiday season, it can be painful enough. Maybe there's family members you don't want to see or parties you don't want to attend. There's stresses on your wallet and stress on your time. The good thing about the holidays is you have more time to hang out with people. The bad time about the holidays, you have more time to hang out with people. (laughs) It cuts both ways. Well, now add a brutal year to the mix, a cancerous election cycle, a worldwide pandemic, and it's enough to make you just freaking lose your groceries, just lose them all over the place. New Year's Eve is coming along. Woo-woo, like I'm excited for a new year, as if I could turn my back on 2020. 2021 isn't looking that much better, at least the pundits. That's what they say. And I thought the pundits were completely wrong when they were telling me in March that it wouldn't be until, you know, end of 2020 that things were going to get better. I thought, oh, that's ridiculous. They are right. And now they're saying it's going to be all of 2021, and I can't just dismiss them. (sighs) I'm more stressed out even setting up this episode. It freaking sucks, man. <laughs> I was supposed to come to podcast excited, and here I am depressing myself with my own intro monologue. Well, I got someone here who's not going to have me depressed for much longer. Today, Chantel Thomas, Dr. Chantel Thomas to you, joins us. She's the president and CEO of a Sound Mind Canceling Service in Cincinnati, Ohio. She holds Ohio's highest counseling license and is a licensed social worker. Her work has been recognized all over the place. She was honored as a YWCA career woman of achievement, named one of Cincinnati's leading women, honored as a who's who of black Cincinnati. She's going to help us map out a path through the stressful season. Welcome to the aggressive life. Dr. Chantel Thomas, wearing your red Christmas colors. Awesome to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Glad to be here. Well, were you as depressed as I was just reading my introduction there? I mean, is that, do you hear that going, that sounds about right? Or do you hear it already having a different perspective on it than I, than well, I do? Well, you know, that seems to be the way it goes around this time of the year. Holidays are full of hustle and bustle and people are, they have the stress and the distress and they're concerned about all the parties they have to attend. So it's just a lot. Well, right away, we should have less stress because people aren't having parties right now, right? So Yeah, so we think, huh? <laughs> so we think. Where, where are you on the scale of, you know, COVID caution guidelines? Are, are you like a a 10, like hyper-cautious, I do all the things, or are you a 1, like, uh, I'm not doing much of it at all? I'm just curious. I'm probably a 9 because I know uh, a few people who have gotten it, and I know some people who have lost loved ones, and so— in the beginning, I probably was more around a four, 
But then as I started to see it unfold and, and heard some, you know, I've had some friends there. I know someone that was 19 who was in good health that passed away. So it made me concerned that, 19, you know, really? yeah, I'm a workoutaholic. So, <laughs> you know, I think I'm in good health. I take my vitamins. I exercise. I eat right, get enough sleep. Um, and so I think, wow, you know, I'm in my 50s. So right. you just don't know if someone who's 19 and an athlete and these things can happen. So it made me become a little more concerned. Um, and especially being a person of color, it made me a little more concerned as well, too. Was the person African-American who died who was 19? Yes. What What is... I'm go, what, what? This is not. This is very unChristmas so far. So <laughs> it's very unChristmas. But what? What are the reasons why this pandemic is hitting the African American community much more hard than the white community? You know. So it's always been said to me: if white America gets a cold, Black America gets pneumonia, or some people say the flu. I say pneumonia because of the health disparities and because of the access to. Um, you know, healthcare, it's a big, there is a big difference in that. And then what happens in our community? And then some people are afraid to go to the doctor because of testing that was done years ago. And the stories are still told about the experiments, the Tuskegee experiment. Yeah, go ahead and hit that. that. A, a lot of folks uh, don't, aren't even aware of that. So give us a rundown on that, please. So um, what happened was they had a group of men that were applying to be into the Air Force or the military. Let me just say the military. And so um, doctors came into the African-American community and said that they were giving them some uh, a drug, you know, to help. But actually, it was uh, syphilis. It was, uh, of course, uh, the syphilis. And they were giving it to them to see how our, the body would respond to— Intentionally injecting yes. a venereal disease. Exactly. Into those African-American men. And so then there was one or two that decided they wanted to get in, go into the military. And so they ended up getting the vaccine in order because they had to get the vaccine in order to get in. And that's how it came out into— the community in Tuskegee that, hold on, wait a minute, they were giving us this uh, disease, venereal disease, and then now these guys came and said, hey, we got this vaccine. They are, you know, giving us something that's killing us. And so that spread throughout the community, African-American, that community, and then just through African-Americans. And so it became known that they were experimenting on us without our knowledge and not telling us what they were giving us when we were going into the doctors just to try and get, you know, a drug to get better. They were giving us something that was actually not making us better. So the black community has a lot of baggage with medical institutions in your history. Right. The black community has less access even to health care if they get over their paranoia. Exactly. But what about the transmission rates are higher as well? It's not just people who are dying greater, but, but more people have it. So uh, what's the what's the cause for that? So we have more pre-existing conditions in our community. So some people have high, you know, hypertension, you know, high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes. So having those and some people as, you know, there's high schoolers that may have the diabetes or may have uh, heart disease or may have, you know, kidney and liver issues. So when they aren't treated or they have the less access to it. So, of course, getting COVID, what COVID does, it's not just having the COVID, but it attacks those already if your kidneys are bad or your liver is bad. And so when we already have those in our community and people don't have access to a good health care um, or they can't get to a good doctor at a good hospital, then it just exacerbates it and makes it worse. So, Well, you mentioned hypertension too, uh, to this. This is the last thing I'll say on this. Hypertension, <laughs> I, I know me, I'm, I don't know if you have noticed or not, but I'm white. I <laughs> no, I didn't notice at all. Um, I'm a good looking white though, yeah, aren't I? Yeah. Oh <laughs> and um, uh, I, I've, I've never had a day of stress caused by my 
skin co- skin color. Right. I've right. never had yeah. a bad interaction with anybody in the justice system. I've I've never had um, felt like I've been cheated on a job interview because of my skin right. tone. I've I've right. never had a bad interaction at a restaurant. I've, ne- I've I've my skin has never given me any stress whatsoever, exactly. and that's absolutely not the case. It is for everybody who's a friend of mine who has darker skin tones than I. So a deep talk. But you know we're not, we're not here to talk about race today. Believe no. it or not, we're not. <laughs> we're not. Let's get back to what we're talking about, which is the holidays. The reason why we got into that is I had a fascinating phone call, a Zoom call, about two two weeks ago. I was on the phone with about 20 other faith leaders around the country, and we were interacting with Francis Collins. Francis Collins is the director of the National Institute of Health. He, is, he led the team that mapped the human genome, a massive scientific breakthrough for all of humanity. And he's a believer. He's a very, very strong believer. He's a, we're trying to actually get him on the podcast. Francis Collins, we want you now. Francis Collins. I'll be back. Come on our podcast, Francis. Respond to my emails. Anyway, where was I? He said something. He's an amazing man of faith who, who's able to meld science with faith. He's a believer. It's, it's really, he's really, he said something that stopped me in my tracks. He said, yeah, our family is not getting together for Thanksgiving because of this virus. I thought, oh, wow, Really? Really? Man, are you are you, do you think it's a good idea for us in the holidays to be quarantining over the holidays? Is this a is this a good idea medically, socially, spiritually, psychologically? What do you think? Um, so my family is large. My mother has six siblings and of course they have kids and grandkids, great grandkids, and uh, and we usually get together, uh, and we're not. So for me, I think it's to to be safe. I know each family has to make that decision. Some are doing it on You're Zoom. You're having a Thanksgiving by yourself then? <laughs> Basically, yes, yes. Wow. It will be, you know, me and my kids, and we'll get on Zoom, and everybody will show their face, say hello, and have a Zoom Thanksgiving. You know, it might be a Zoom Christmas per se, but I, I think it is— Chantel, <laughs> come on now. Come on. No, wait, let, me, let me push on you a little bit. You're telling me on Thanksgiving you're going to have a TV dinner and have Zoom at the same time and look at your kids. <laughs> oh, well, my kids will be with me. But oh, all the, right, all right. The, They'll be yeah. Okay, so you'll have yeah. some community. Yeah, my kids will okay. be. Yeah, oh, I will see the kids. Um, but as far as, you know, my parents and then grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins, what we're used to where we're in this house and there's 200 people, that's not happening, you know, and so that's very different. The younger generation, you know, I've heard from a lot of people that the 20-somethings are still saying, hey, we're going to get together, and that's fine, but I think it's each person has to make that decision, and I really believe in listening to the doctors with the holidays because they're saying this is going to kick up, and I know this is the time of year, Thanksgiving and Christmas, where people either love coming together or they experience a whole lot of pain behind the loss that they've experienced during the holidays and they don't want to come together. That maybe is one silver lining for us is some of us have a socially acceptable way to change our holiday traditions. Some of us come away from Thanksgiving and Christmas and getting together with the people we get together with incredibly drained and frustrated. Now we have an easy out to say, hey, I can't do that this year. And and once you break it by one year, it's probably going to stay that way forever. Agree? Mm-hmm. Right. Agree. I was thinking, you know, 2020, it depends on how you look at it with the holidays. It could be, yes, this is this is great. I can be at home. I don't have to entertain. And if you're the woman that cooks for everyone and everybody comes to your house and maybe you're the one cleaning up afterwards as well because everyone's just kind of chilling around, relaxing. 
you will say, ah, this is great. No Thanksgiving. But for those who thrive and live off of that connection and the socialization and the engagement, it'll be pretty hard. And then you'll have to find other ways to manage the stress and the loneliness and the isolation. So your practice, has business gone up in 2020 for you? Business has tripled for us because, tripled. yes, so I, we have four locations, so I have four locations. Um, there's about 20 therapists, and everybody's working from maybe 9 a.m. to 6 or 7 or 8 and weekends, when usually most people work around 30 hours a week, but we're doing 40, 50 because there's so much anxiety, so much stress, so much depression. And now with the holidays, it has gotten to where people are very concerned about loved ones that they've lost during COVID and how to manage that. And others are saying, I just want to run away. I want to move. Um, but where are you going to go? You know, you can't run away from yourself. You have to manage that grief. And so p- some people are grieving multiple losses at the same time. Um, loss of job, loss of loved one, loss of relationship. And so the holidays don't make that feel better if you're used to having your family now you can't. And then you went through a divorce and then maybe you were furloughed. So you have these multiple layers of trauma and also you're, you're supposed to be happy about Thanksgiving and Christmas and you're not. So how do you do that? How do you manage that? That statistic of your business tripling is one of the few positive statistics I've heard during COVID-19. And I say positive, some would say, wait, that's awful. No, your business should actually be tripled normally throughout the year. Right, right. (laughs) Because people have problems they're not talking about at all. And that this is forcing people to come out and not deny things that were there before. We, we've all had pre-existing conditions before this, haven't we? It wasn't like life was good and great and all of a sudden, bam, COVID-19 hit. It's that many of us were hanging on by our fingernails thinking we were going to be able to get by and we were not never going to be able to get by. This is just the incident that triggered that new day, correct? Yes. And I think it caused a lot of people to say, okay, let me check in with myself and see what's going on with me. Um, how am I doing? And am I am I not doing well? Am I doing well? And then when, you know, your kids are home, your spouse is home, you know, the divorce rate has gone up, domestic violence has gone up, you know, parental abuse has gone up since people have been home. And so people have decided to reach out. And then when you have to get used to grief and loss because my brother passed away or my father or I lost my brother and my father to COVID or some other. Maybe it was just they were aging anyway. And now I can't have a funeral the normal way that I'm used to having a funeral. We can have a repass or, you know, and you're used to coming together. And so now it forces you to say, I need help. And there's people out here that can help me. Whereas before in the past, people were like, oh, talk to your, go to your pastor, you know, or you can talk to your best friend or you don't need a therapist. You're not crazy. Well, the majority of people that come into therapy aren't there, aren't crazy. Um, really, we don't have anyone that comes in that's crazy, you know. Um, and then the other thing is I think that if people look at the research, it says people that see a therapist are healthier than people who do not. Because they have someone they can talk to and talk to about the stress of the holidays or the stress of the loss of a loved one during COVID or whatever the issue may be. Um, and we're here to help and we listen and we're non-judgmental, non-critical. Um, we give you the biblical precepts that you need um, to help you get through this time. Yeah, well, I'm a big fan of your profession. I'm using your profession now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also believe that a lot of people need your profession because they haven't figured out how to be a friend. Mm-hmm. We don't talk to anybody. We're just so insulated. So for some of us, there's certainly some problems that are so deep that the average friend of yours just is not able to cope with at all. Mm-hmm. 
but there's a heck of a lot of things that we we could handle with our friends, but we don't know how to make friends, so we pay someone to be our friend for 50 minutes. Right, exactly. You know, the, the research says that for women, you need to have three women that you're totally transparent with um, to be healthy, mm. to, to talk to and to have lunch with and dinner with, to be considered to be healthy mentally. For men, it's one. And I think for men, mm. it's one because men don't talk as much and women, we might wear someone that one woman out because we'll talk all day. So if you don't have that one male friend, then you're not mentally healthy because you're not being transparent and open and sharing. So find that one male friend or for women, find the three female friends that you can talk to and share and just pour out. It gets you on the road to being healthy to start. And then when those deep heart wrenching things come up, then they may say, hey, you need a therapist. This is too much for me. I'm surprised it's one for men because most men I know don't have a best friend. If they have friends, they got, you know, three or four that that are up there high, Mm -hmm. you know, that's good. They're, they're healthy. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, well, hold Our on. Healthier, no. right? Yeah, well, I'm not, most men don't have friends. I mean, let me start with that. Right, yeah, most men true. do not have friends. Those that do have a hard time identifying their best friend. Ah, uh, yeah, right. So this is the one best friend you're supposed to have to be totally transparent yeah. with. And then women need three best friends. So, yeah, and and usually when people come into my practice, I ask them that who is the person that you talk to? Who would you consider your best friend that will come get you at 2 a.m. in a snowstorm, get out of their bed and come get you? And a lot of them will say, I don't have anyone. Mm-hmm. And so we start there. You know, relationships are what make us thrive and live. And especially during the holidays, you need to have those friends. So what other survival tips do you have for us for Thanksgiving, Christmas, whether it's health survival, mental health survival? What, what do people generally not do over the holidays that they should do? And what do people do that they should stop doing? Right. So what people don't do, um, I think it depends on the person. So if you're someone who, if you've experienced a loss, that seems to be the biggest thing during the holidays when people have lost a parent or child or someone on that scale of the top three losses in, in life, they want to isolate and shut down. And so the goal is to get out so you can, um, you know, especially well with COVID now, if you could just either, I tell people, if you can get on a Zoom, you know, have a family Zoom, a friend Zoom, a, a relationship Zoom or whatever, just create these Zooms so you can still have the connection since where social distancing is very important. Um, I tell people to reward yourself just for being alive and being you. Um, go out, buy yourself a rose or maybe get yourself your favorite Snickers candy bar. I don't know, but, you know, praise yourself that you're making it through. getting myself a rose. <laughs> I'm not considered buying myself a rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love me. So I love me. And <laughs> I'm gonna... buy myself a gun. <laughs> buy myself another gun. I just, I'm buying another gun right now. But maybe I buy myself another gun. There you go. Whatever it is, you know, it's like celebrate you. Yeah. Just celebrate you, you know. Um, and I think during the holidays, a lot of people, when they're feeling lonely or isolated, they forget that, you know, I'm still here. I'm alive. God has let me see another day. Even though weeping may endure for a night, joy comes in the morning. And so another day, I see another day. So I should be celebrating this life and let me find someone to connect with to help me feel good about me and help them feel good about them as well. So the other side of that is, you know, everyone's always like, oh, it's the holidays. I have to shop. So that, you know, the retail therapy, I always tell people, slow down, have a budget, don't go over the budget because some people will start spending to help them feel better right. when they're feeling sad, especially if they have seasonal affective disorder because the seasons have changed. I'm feeling sad. I'm depressed. So I want to go shop. I want to get out. And so not that they're really, they'll buy a whole bunch of things. I'm like, 
make a budget. If the budget is 200 yeah. or if it's 500, whatever it is, don't go over. And for some people, that's hard because the therapy, the retail makes them feel good because they're buying all these things for right. people. But then later you have the debt on the back end that, right. you know, you have yeah, to Yeah, retail with. therapy is fine so long as you've got unbelievably high disposable income. Right. Exactly. That's, and there are some people who are like that. There just are. It's interesting having this conversation with you, you know, professional therapist to professional pastor, which is my day job. Uh, I've always believed that the reason the holidays are so stressful, what I've seen, is that people have a template for their life for what it's supposed to look like. And the holidays is when that photograph is taken in our mind. Like, do I have the family I thought I would have in front of the Christmas tree? Am I as far ahead in life as I am? Do I feel as happy? Because I should be able to feel happy. It's a, it's a, it, it helps us judge where we are. And many of us are not where we thought we would be at this stage of life. And the holidays is that report card time. And then later on top of that, fun, happy movies or songs where people look like to have them themselves together. And we don't. Right. It's always stressful. And now we've got another layer of stress on that. What, what might I do? when I'm feeling this stress? I always tell people to, you know, really look inward, you know. Um, so a lot of times it's like, you compete with you to be a better you. You know, if I'm feeling sad, then what can I do to make me feel better? And so creating a list of 10 things that bring me joy. So if it is call a friend, I always tell women, at least put down two friends. And if it's a man, if you don't have one, find one. And maybe your pastor can be one until you find one. Um, and then, you know, if it's playing music, going to the, the gun range or, you know, working out, Create a list of 10 things that bring you joy. Because usually what the research says is by the time you get to the third or fourth one, you're feeling better. Hmm. And so if you're someone who knows that I will be alone for the holidays because I don't have a, a significant other or, you know, family or friend, then what are some things I can do to bring me joy and to make me feel better and connect? And because I don't have those things that I thought I would have. I hear that from a lot of women like, I'm 35. I'm not married yet. I haven't had kids. My eggs are getting old. And I'm like, no, no, no. Who told you that? Who put that recording in your head? We need to rip up the tape because that's not true, right? So if I believe I can do this and I have positive self-talk, then it's going to happen. But if I have negative self-talk and I'm saying, man, I can't do this, I'm horrible, I'm a loser, then yes, you are still causing those things to come forth in your life because you're believing that you're not worthy, you're not lovable, you're not a good person. But if I say, man, I can conquer this, I can conquer the world, I'm going to reach for that goal, I'm going to accomplish it, and I'm going to say every day that I'm a lovable person, I'm worthy, and I, I can accomplish anything I set my mind to, then that's probably going to happen for me because I'm every day working towards it, I'm speaking it. So the research talks about how if a person says it and they see it, they say it, and then they can do it. So if I see it, I write it on a sticky note, put it up in my bathroom. I'm going to see that I can do whatever I put my mind to. Then as I leave my house every day, I'm going to say at least three or four times, I can do whatever I put my mind to. I can overcome this obstacle because I'm putting my mind to it. I'm going to overcome it. And then I'm going to do something about it. So every day I'm going to make sure if I want to pay that bill, I'm going to make sure I set the money aside so I can pay the bill. So I see it. And then I post it up somewhere, I see it, then I say it every day. I can do this. I'm going to pay this bill off. And then I do it. I work towards saving money and put it, putting it in a little savings, and then I'm going to make that bill go away. So Great. Yeah, and the power of the tongue is something that's in the Bible again and again. God speaks and calls creation into existence. There's something about when we speak things. The book of James in the New Testament talks about the power of the tongue being able to steer ships, a little thing can steer ships or steer animals. And we oftentimes look at that as, okay, power of tongue, I can't 
tear anybody down with my words. I shouldn't do that. Okay, well, that, that's true, but you're talking about the inverse, the positive inverse of that. There's something when you you say it that you want to hold yourself accountable and you more likely bring it into being. A, an easy one for me is I just came back from uh, the gym. I just took off my sweater. It's just my T-shirt here. I feel like a, a slob, but I was just sweating and hot and... um and sometimes I'll be on the I'll be on the elliptical and I'll just go, I'll say five more minutes. Mm-hmm. I just say it. Just the act of speaking it, now I have a level of accountability and something's gonna happen. So you're you're talking about something that's actually very biblical and psychological at the same time. I I find it fascinating that maybe one of the reasons that we don't speak things that we want is because we're afraid of being let down. Maybe there's just a little ember of hope that we have, and we know if we go after something and it doesn't happen, that little ember is gonna go out, and we need to keep that ember going for when we really need it. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, so um, I do hear a lot of people there, it's just that fear, and that fear um, grips them. And so it's like, no, you can't let that fear. I was telling you, you're in a boxing match. You have fear on one shoulder and then you have faith on the other, t- other talking to you. And then they're in the corners like ding, ding, round one. So yeah, I think people will get in that um, kind of a routine of, oh, I can't do that. That's too much. It's, it's too much. And the, the knots in the stomach, they're afraid. And it's like, no, you can do it and just speak it. So it's that positive self-esteem. It's encouraging yourself, it's speaking life over yourself. It is telling yourself, I can do whatever I put my mind to and nobody can stop me but me. Yeah. If I, you know, I can do it. It's just like, go for it. You know, you don't know if you don't even try. If you tell yourself you're a loser, then you will lose. Right. You will. I find it interesting, uh, your, your thing earlier about someone who was 35 and they they don't have kids. They want to have kids. They want to have marriage. Marriage. It's it's in in the male realm. We talk about certain women who have the X factor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I'm, I don't know if that's a new new term to you or not. No, no, yeah, yeah right. you know. So the X factor is <laughs> for those of you who don't know, the X factor is somebody who is attractive, very attractive, um, but yet if you took a picture of them and you just look at the picture, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, they're fine. But they, there's something about when you're around them, they have this X factor of chemistry and excitement and you want to be around them. Up. I wonder how much of that is that's a person who believes in themselves and they exude self-confidence. They exude like, versus right. there's some women I've been around who are drop dead gorgeous. If I saw them on a, on a picture, but like zero interest, <laughs> zero, zero at all. And some of them are just drop dead gorgeous because that's the, that's the only thing they have in their world is try to make themselves gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's another way to look at that angle of the things you believe about yourself, the things that you say to yourself actually end up attracting more people to yourself or repelling more people. Yes, it does. It, and that's so true. And so I tell people, you always have to speak, just start out speaking what you want to happen. And Definitely during the holidays, you know, um, I want to be around people who are full of life and joy and happiness and speaking it causes it to come forth. So let's talk about speaking things to happen. I'm going to give you some scenarios. I want you to take us to class. These are scenarios that the average listener is dealing with. And we want you as your doctor, master of personal communication, your doctor, (laughs) master of all that is 
to tell us what you would say if you were in this situation. Okay. okay? So, um, what do we do when we're around the Christmas tree or around the Thanksgiving table? What do we say to that family member who always brings up politics? <laughs> so that family member, usually, you know, at, at our house, it's like these are off the limits. So some people have gotten to the point because people are on different sides, especially, you know, right now, um, that it's like time out. You know, you have some people have little uh, languages like nonverbals. They give signs to family members like, nope, we're not doing that. Um, also, I, I think it's just very important to be okay with saying, hey, now we're not going to talk about it right now. This is a great time of celebration and love and sharing, and this is going to cause us to have an argument. So let's just not go there. That's good. Just say it that clearly. Mm-hmm. What I find interesting about that is it doesn't matter who you voted for. Half of America disagrees with you. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You know what I mean? There's there's 140 million Americans, (laughs) roughly 70, 65 to 70 voted one way, 65. So no matter who you are, there's another person who disagrees with you and a lot of those folks in your family. So, all right. So how do you, how do you negotiate with your spouse or tell your spouse you don't want to go to the in-laws? Yeah. So that one, uh, I would say there have been times where this has been just an issue that has come to therapy. Um, And so some people create where we alternate every, like one year we go to your parents, one year we go to mine, and then the next year we stay home. And then others say, let's come up with the, it's the simple thing, the pros and cons list, you know, what is the the pros to going and staying home? And if we don't go, let's stay home. But as a unit, you have to say we, not my wife doesn't want to come or my husband doesn't want to come. It has to be a united front to the family and say, we decided we want to stay home this year and just spend time with, you know, our, our kids. Or we decided that it's best for us not to come this year because some family members, it's not good to say, but it's true. There's toxicity there. Yep. And so if it's a toxic, toxic situation, you don't want to put yourself in there or your kids in that situation right. and then have to come home and work through your own pain, hurt or whatever, trauma, whatever it may be. So let's say you come to agreement with your spouse on what you're going to do if you're a spouse, if you have a spouse, and even if you don't have a spouse, one way or another, you're you're going to a place, you feel like you need to go there over the holidays that you really don't want to go to, but you have to do it. Right. What do we do to psych ourselves up for it? What do we do to get ourselves ready for it? If you have to go. So, um, You know, there's been times where I've worked with couples and they've decided we're going and we're going for two hours or, you know, there's a time limit. And then it is, this is what we're going to do. So they have a plan of attack. So they're moving strategically and not emotionally. So I would tell my people, move strategically and not emotionally. So if you move in the sense of, okay, we're going to go here, we'll be here for two hours. Who do we want to sit by? Who do we want to engage in conversation with? Who is the safest person that maybe want to attack me or attack you? So sometimes you have to be strategic about the holidays and who you're spending time with and even where you sit at the table. You know, so sometimes it's, it's, it is, it's like war at some home. Have a game plan. You know, yes, you have to have a game plan. How do I deal with the grief that my traditions may not happen because of COVID-19? Coach me through that. What do I do to, to just not be bummed out that 20 years of whatever is now out the window or at least paused? Right. 
So people are finding different ways to do it. Some people I know are getting together on Zoom. Um, others are saying, I'm going to celebrate here by myself at home and still have that tradition, but it's just me or it's me with my kids and it may not be the extended family, but still find a way to make it a joyful occasion for you or something that doesn't compound the grief or make it sad. So even though you can't get with them, how can you still connect? Is it a phone call? Is it a Zoom? Is it FaceTime? Is it just maybe five family members coming over? If it is, you know, I write something, I create a, a vision board or I celebrate life of the family members that have passed away with a balloon release or whatever it may be um, during the holidays, you still need to make sure that you're doing some of that. If it, even if it is you cook the big meal and nobody's eating but you. Mm. Financial stress. Coach us on financial stress. Yes. Holidays, so. gifts, places to go. What, what, how do we deal with that? Right. So um, I tell everybody this is the time of the year that you really need to be utilizing a budget so that you don't go over. If it is you spend $100 per child or $50 or if it's $250, make sure you stick to that budget and don't go over so you don't come up like short for your rent or other things because you feel like you have to or you're feeling guilty. I think also when it comes to the financial piece, if you don't have it, you just tell your kids and be honest, hey, we just don't have it. So for holidays, we're going to make each other a gift. You know, maybe it's just a card or maybe it's just spending time together watching movies. So don't overspend and don't feel obligated or feel guilty if you can't purchase gifts because it's not, it's really about the love that we have for one another um, at this time and spending time with family and cultivating the relationships. All right, Chantel, Dr. Chantel, we're going to go into the lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? Yes, I am. The lightning round is I give you a topic and you must answer it in one sentence or less. Oh, okay. Yes, one sentence or less. Let's going to start. The first five topics are going to be in ascending order of the most stressful things around the holidays or the most common sources of arguments. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready, Chantel? I think so. <laughs> okay, number five, keeping physically healthy. Exercise at least four times. Four a times week. over the whole holiday? No, a week. You're making me feel like a loser. <laughs> <laughs> a major loser. Let's stop this right now. No, no, I'm generally a very good exerciser, but it's one of the things I'm not as good on COVID-19. So, all right. That's number five. Number four, who prepares and cleans up the holiday dinner? Everyone should help at, at you know, if everyone should help wash or clean or something to that point. Loneliness or feelings of this isn't good enough? I say go to the affirmations. Create your five to ten affirmations that you're going to say uh, to oh, help you overcome that, that loneliness. Shopping and how much to spend on presents. Mm. Utilize that budget. But that just sounds up. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm making you. I, I always break the lightning round rules. Uh, but budget smudge it. I mean, come on. Is that really practical? Well, uh, tell us. Yeah, I, go ahead. Make a pitch for why a budget okay. isn't unrealistic. Well, and I would I always tell people if we weren't in COVID right now, I would say you could probably go a little bit off of it. But people always overspend during the holidays a lot. And now because of COVID, some people are furloughed or they don't have a job. Um, and so I think it's even more important to make sure that you stick to it. Um, buy something. You, you can sometimes people I've heard, they, they enjoy the gifts that people make for them more than the ones that they bought because they're more thoughtful and they put more time and energy into it. So, you know, so making sure that you 
um, or think about a person. If you know this person loves sweaters or this person loves um, socks or scarves, maybe you can make that and then that might be make them feel better. Or you buy that, but it's not an expensive one. Source of stress Lib and I have had in our marriage for uh, literally decades has been holiday spending. And, <laughs> you know, I, I make more money now than I ever thought I'd make. And kids are out of the house. Kids are off the payroll. I'm not paying for anything anymore. I'm not paying for college anymore. I'm not right. paying for car insurance. I mean, I am. That I, I is good. And, and I'm making more money than I ever have right now. And yet last year, well, my youngest daughter wasn't totally off the payroll. And yet last year was still financially stressful. We've still gotten the same fights we did, we have for years. And, and finally, duh, stupid us, just set it up, just automatic withdrawal out of our account into a separate savings account, yeah. every paycheck. It was a relatively small amount of money for us. Mm -hmm. And boy, I'll tell you what, all right, look at that. That thing has been going on now for 11 months, right? Look at the thing, all of a sudden I'm like, man, I got no stress at all. So maybe this year might be difficult for some of us, but if you do that, whatever it is, right. your next holiday is going to be far. Make an aggressive move. Right. Stop Stop trying to like explain away why you can't do things financially. Stop trying to explain away why budgets don't work for you. Stop trying to explain away. No, do something different. That's why you're into the aggressive life. You're here to try something. Try something. Make next holiday season less financially stressful if you can't make it this season less stressful. And I say that into when I work with couples in premarital counseling that you should have your house account, savings account, and then a spend account and a holiday account. And so that way for the holidays, they start out with this is how much we can blow. That's their spending money. They have a savings and they have their house. And then the holiday money, you can, and your budget started right when you start out from the beginning. Yeah, someone like me probably wouldn't need holiday money because I don't really like to spend that much over the holidays. I mean, I spend all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all the time. People go, some people go, oh, I need a, I need a, I bought myself a Christmas present. And I used to think, that is so stupid and so selfish. Buy yourself a Christmas present. Why? But now I realize for a lot of those folks, they don't buy themselves anything during the year and they need an out. I buy myself a lot of things during the year. So you celebrate you, and so they're celebrating them big at yeah. Christmas. I don't know that I celebrate me, but I know that I've got to keep me going, right. and that's taking money right now. So I just bought a new, <laughs> I, I bought a new hunting rifle, and the reason I say it takes money, money, money doesn't make everything better, but it helps. But the uh, I bought a new hunting rifle, and it's not like I have a hunting rifle now, and now I'm happier. It's that the hunting rifle is needed because. I'm going on a hunt out west. It's going to be a very intricate, difficult hunt. And I'm enjoying the planning of it. I'm enjoying the figuring out what gear I'm going to, hopefully I'm going to enjoy the hunt. And so that, that, that expense and a bunch of others actually represents from now, this is what this is. I started on this kick on basically November 1st. From November 1st to November 24th, when the hunt will be over, preparation, I'm buying myself a heck of a lot of fun. Right. And I do that a lot, you know? And most of us have not figured out what to do to have fun. Exactly. And we have to. That's the joy that I talk, I talk about. Like you have to have something that makes you feel good and brings you joy, happiness, and What fun. is that for you other than working out and having organic water? Because that's, <laughs> that's what people like you say. Oh, I just have organic water and I work out. That's all my fun. What do you do to have fun? I love to travel. I, my thing is to see the seven wonders of the world before I pass away. And I have two left. So, what two do you have left? I Taj Mahal and 
Oh my goodness, the Machu Picchu. Ah. Mm-hmm. Now the seven wonders of the world, they've changed over time. Yes, they do. So what are the five th- that are here right now that you've seen? So both of the pyramids, um, Christ the Those Redeemer. Those are two different wonders right. of the world? Okay. Yeah, they're two. At okay. two different times they were on there. Christ the Redeemer, the Grand Canyon. Um, I went to Belize for that blue hole, but I don't uh-huh. think that's one of them. Um, oh, I'm missing. What is it? So... That's can't remember. Right. I, and yeah, so I'm missing one in my head. So has this been a, how long has this been a stated goal of yours? Um, or is it just you went to three and all of a sudden you realize, oh, hey, I'm I'm kind of getting some momentum here for the seven wonders of the world. How long have you been working on it? So I read about them probably 10, 15 years ago. And so then that became the goal. Like at least every year, every other year, try to go. So my kids, when... They were small. Uh, we went with and their dad, so they've been to all of those locations with us. So they just didn't. Oh, Rome, uh, the Colosseum. Oh. That's. I was like, I'm missing something. Interesting. Probably another one too. So I've been to. I've. So they change. So as they change, I keep changing with right. it. So it's probably about eight places I've been, but then I still want to see the Taj Mahal and. Machu Picchu. I didn't realize the Grand Canyon was one of the... Yeah. Okay, so listen, boys and girls, don't get me on my soapbox, but that's like my favorite place in the entire world. <laughs> I love I love it too. And Both I, sides, yeah. I'm stunned by how many people don't ever intend to go to the Grand Canyon. I'm stunned when I go to the Grand Canyon how I hear more languages other than English mm-hmm. than anything else. I'm stunned when I go to have a meal in Flagstaff, which is the closest yes. place that the servers in the restaurant haven't actually been to the Grand Canyon themselves. Oh. They've lived there. Yes, my first time there. Oh, wow. I know. I stopped them for breakfast. I said, this before the days of GPSs, at least I didn't have one. And I said, hey, uh, how long is it the Grand Canyon? The woman said, uh, I don't know. I've never been there. I said, oh, wow. I said, are, are, you, are you new to the area? She said, no, I've been here the, my whole life. It's like, wow. 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 So anyway, that that that's great. I'm sorry. We digress. <laughs> we digress. That, that is not supposed to be on the lightning round. Okay, just, just a couple more because these are very good. Most aggressive move you've made for your mental health or well-being? Most aggressive. Uh, I, I take a, I go to the beach often just to sit <laughs> sit on the beach and sleep and pray. That's it. Well, that that counts. You look like you're ashamed of that. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm like, I don't know how aggressive that is, but <laughs> I think that's aggressive. Yeah. I think that's aggressive. If you're you're see ag- aggression, aggressive life is not get a gun and kill something. <laughs> that's not right, the aggressive. You, it, it, it could be <laughs> the aggressive life is you're talking about it throughout the whole time. It's something you do. You're not sitting back and waiting. You're going forward. You, you, all the aggressive things you've mentioned. You've got a list. You're going forward on on the seven wonders of the world that you want to go to. Setting a budget. That's very, very aggressive. Having an intentional decision, what you want to do for the holidays. That's aggressive instead of the holidays just happened to you. So, yeah, you. This is all aggressive stuff. So you saying. I'm going to carve out time and go to the peach, and you do this regularly every year? Mm-hmm. How many times a year do you do that? Probably five times every other month. I go and I sit, read, pray, work on my vision for the next year. So, and, and just kind of, I love the waves and sleep just to relax. That's incredibly aggressive. Do you go to the same beach all five times? 
Um, same area. So it's in that Miami, up by between Miami and West Palm Beach, anywhere along there, Boca Raton, uh, that area. Just I love that beach. That well, I think it's called the A One A. Or um, yeah. Very nice and quiet and calming. I just came back Sunday. I was there for a week and just on there again, just listening and focusing on vision and a new path. Interesting. And do you do a bed and breakfast every time? Um, I have a girlfriend that lives there, but this time walking by faith, I purchased a home to do retreats. And that was what the was being spoken to me Great. about what my next, I was like, where am I going next? What is the next thing to do? So a recovery house for women who have been broken and need soul care and wounds healed. So wow, that's, that's an I'm, aggressive move. Yeah. Way to go. So, well, yeah. <laughs> well, Chantel, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about today? Um, no, I, I think we covered it all. Is that, yeah, just uh, would like for everybody to have a sound mind and peace in their lives, I would say. And ho however you can get that, you know, get the help that you need to be able to have a sound mind and some peace and to be able to enjoy life and live it to the fullest. So this has been just really great connecting with you. You've had some amazing truth bombs you've dropped on us. If someone wants to follow up with you, see what's going on with you, hear more about you, where can they go? So asoundmindcounseling.com is, is the website, asoundmindcounseling.com. The phone number is 513-948-0023, 513-948-0023. Um, and I think that's it. You don't have any social media accounts? Oh, yeah, I do. So we do have a Facebook page. It's a Sound Mind Counseling. And Instagram is Dr. Shan, and then it's A-S-M-N-D. So there's two different ones there. So yeah, I have a YouTube channel that is uh, Dr. Chantel Thomas, and we do give out tips on grieving and loss and how to manage this time of COVID. There's a, a, about 10 videos out there. I just started that, so I'm new to it, so still working on it. <laughs> well, doctor, this has been great. Great, great, great. Very, very helpful. I've, I've enjoyed our time immensely, and I know you've helped a lot of people. So there you go, boys and girls. Let's make this holiday season a little different. Don't just wait around hoping it goes better. Don't just assume that things are going to be better than they were before. No, your train's not going to come in. You got to put some coal in the car and drive the train. It's called the aggressive life. You're responsible for your life. You're responsible for your holiday. If your holiday is crappy, the first person to blame will be yourself. Do not be a victim this holiday. Decide what you want this holiday. Decide that you want a better holiday or the best holiday you possibly can in crappy 2020. So you have yourselves a great holiday and we'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening. For more aggressive living, head over to bryantome.com. Get signed up for the mailing list to get regular shots of positive aggression sent straight to your inbox. And while you're there, you can also find articles, podcasts, and books. I'm also active on Instagram. Search Brian Tome. Special thanks to the band Judges for the music. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.